Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with one of the pioneers of the U.S. Women's National Team and head coach of the Boston College Women's Hockey Program, Katie King Crowley. We discuss her being a two-sport athlete at Brown University, her lengthy career with the U.S. National Team, her amazing tenure as head coach of the BC Eagles, and what makes Kayla Barnes such a special player. I really enjoyed this conversation with Katie, and I hope you do too. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoyed this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on the Champs App podcast, Katie King Crowley, who is the head coach at the Boston College Eagles women's hockey program. She is a three-time Olympic medalist, including gold in Nagato, Japan, and a double IHF world champion in 2005. She's also a member of the Brown Athletic Hall of Fame in two sports. She has been coaching at Boston College for the last 18 years, the last 14 as head coach, racking up an incredible 335 wins. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Um, you have an incredible hockey resume, which I, I mentioned to you before we started. I could go on forever about your incredible career, both coaching and as a player. But why don't you just start off with how you got into this great game of hockey and a little bit about your hockey history? Yeah, um, gosh. I First of all, hockey's given me so much, obviously, uh, in my own job now, but also, you know, growing up, um, I, had, uh, no, I have an older brother, and he... Um, I started playing hockey at four, uh, mainly because of him. You know, he was playing, I was in the stands running around and kind of wanted to be in the game with him. I wanted to be, I kind of followed him everywhere. I did everything he did. Um, if he was playing baseball, I was playing baseball. If he was, you know, playing basketball, I was playing basketball. So when he was on the ice, um, I wanted to be on the ice. And and so um, uh, fortunately I was able to, uh, my parents were able to, um, they put me in instructional. So it was just learning how to put, now it's like learn to play. Um, and then uh, someone on my brother's team got hurt. So I actually could skate at that time and they moved me up right up to mites. And I think I was might for a long time because uh, I was so young, but. Um, and this was in uh, Salem, New Hampshire, correct? Salem, New Hampshire. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I mean, from there, it just kind of exploded. I, I was just very, I, I loved playing any sport that you could put me in and, uh, or that I could find. And um, you know, hockey just became, um, you know, one that I, I sort of excelled at and, 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 um, you know, there, the, like, I, I knew I wanted to play as I got older, I knew I wanted to play hockey and softball in college. Uh, I played in my high school, we didn't have hockey. So I played field hockey, basketball and softball, uh, through my high school career. And then outside of school, I played hockey, uh, which I think is, definitely different from nowadays where most kids will have a, a high school team to play on or a prep school to play on um, and they can play you know a, a full year so going to college was the first time I played been on the ice that much in my career in my life yep. and uh, so it was it was so great to be able to go out six times a week and and be on the ice and go out whenever you wanted and that sort of thing and um, all right so before we get to ended up going to ground yeah, What's so that? before we get to Brown, I got, okay. got a few questions for you. First, did you play on your brother's baseball team? Is that how you got into softball too? I did not end up playing on my brother's baseball team, but I did play baseball when I was younger uh, growing up. I, I um, you know, I, like I said, I followed my brother in a lot of uh, aspects, and I think I could, 
you know, hold my own in those sports because I was playing with him. He was three years older and I had to keep up in order to keep playing with him. And if he was outside with a couple of his friends playing, I wanted to be able to play too. So um, I think that was more my driving force then was to be able to play with my brother and, and be, you know, halfway decent at it so I could do that. Gotcha. And what made you such a great hockey player at that, you know, during your youth years? Was it yeah, coaching? Um, was it uh, a parent? Was it just playing with boys? What was it that was the key Yeah, um, I would say it was all of that. I mean, at that time, it was parents that coached, um, and, and which was awesome. I mean, like, you know, we, but I think the driving force, like I played multiple sports. So I was an athlete. I wasn't just a hockey player. And I think that's a big deal. I, I still think it is today. Um, I think it rounds you out as a hockey player to be able to know uh, other sports and, and it also gives your body a rest when you're on the ice. It's hard, you're, you know, it's hard on your body and to take time off and, and play another sport, I think is valuable um, on so many levels. Um, but I think um, that, like I said, playing different sports made it made me a better athlete, made me a better hockey player. Um, that drive to be like my brother, I think helped me be successful um and my parents I mean my parents supported us like I mean they were you know traveled with us all the time as much as they could uh one went what you know once we were on different teams it was one went one way one went the other way and we meet back at home and maybe have dinner or maybe one's in bed you know um but they they have been uh our biggest support my brother and I I mean through our whole lives and uh we've we were very lucky in the parent department Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So before we get to Brown, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I would have to say that year of playing with my brother. And like, I don't, I only remember, you know, you don't, you don't remember everything about it, but just um, being able to play with him was probably, you know, because after that, it, there was just too much of an age difference for us to play on the same team together. So we would play, you know, on the pond together, but just playing on that team, that was, you know, the first time playing on a team and, and, uh, you know, playing with him and, and, and trying to be like him at that age, I think really helped me through a lot of different things. And, and I'd say that's one of my most fondest memories, but I, I mean, there's a lot we've, <laughs> I've had some great ones growing up and, and playing and, um, you know, so I'd say that's probably the best though. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let, now let's get into the recruiting process. So um, we've had Kara Mori and Cassie, Tur Cassie Turner on the podcast, and they've talked about their first experience with Digit Murphy. So do you remember your first interaction with Digit Murphy as uh, she started her recruiting process with you to come to Brown? Um, my first interaction, uh, gosh, I don't know if I remember my first, but I do remember, you know, having conversations with her, uh, having her, she, you know, she came to a few games. Uh, and then I remember um like sitting in a Dunkin Donuts I think it was after a game and like having a conversation with her uh but it was so much you know we were I was a senior I think um and so uh but yeah Digit is phenomenal uh and she still is she's still someone that I keep in touch with and and uh and talk to quite a bit and uh she's definitely someone that I can bounce things off of when I need to and she's uh, definitely created the amazing coaching tree uh, of yeah, uh, yeah, amazing women has. mentors and coaches uh, out yeah. there. So. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a great mentor for all of us. And she's uh, someone that you really, you know, you, you can trust and, and uh, will help you whenever you need help. 
Yeah. So at, at Brown, you played hockey and softball. You were the uh, Ivy League player of the year, I think multiple years in, in softball. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were not the only player playing both hockey and softball. You had multiple players, which is pretty incredible. Correct. Um, yeah. both playing both sports. What was that like? It was, uh, so like I said, I knew I wanted to play hockey and softball when I left high school. Um, I, we had a really, really good softball team in high school. Um, and I just, it was something that I, I thought I could do in college, both sports. And, and, uh, so I was so thankful that I could do that at Brown and, um, when I got there and realized, I mean, at one point we had, I think five of us who did both uh, hockey and softball. And uh, it, first of all, it was awesome. I mean, I was still, it was just so awesome. And, and two different experiences um, in terms of with both sports. I mean, both sports were kind of in different situations. Brown, um, yeah, I mean, hockey had like, you know, a little bit of success before we had gotten there. And then, and then it, it, kind of continued to excel through and and for softball I mean my sophomore year I think there were nine freshmen and, and five sophomores or something like that they, we were a very very young team and maybe one or two one senior but then I think she got hurt and couldn't play anymore but um so we were just a really young team different experiences and then in our senior year we ended up making the NCAA so it was just a uh, two completely different experiences, even though you had the same teammates, a lot of the same teammates on uh, both teams. But we had so much fun um, playing both sports. Uh, and I think that's what it's all about, right? Like having fun. And, and uh, you're in college at that time, there was no professional hockey, no professional, you know, there was professional softball, but I wasn't, that wasn't where the route I was going to go. And um it was just, uh, I think we were just very fortunate to be able to play both sports at such a high level. I got a couple more questions related to this. So um, yeah. you were a pitcher. So what was your best pitch? <laughs> I'd say my drop was my yeah. best pitch. So it had yeah. a lot of movement. So how fast was your fastball then? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think I was ever clocked. Um, I wasn't. I don't think I was the fastest, but I knew how to move it around and probably because of hockey or other sports, like just that athleticism, I think really helped me on the mound. Like I was fairly good defensively and could field my own position. And, um, and uh, I think a lot of it was the mental side of it where you were just, you know, trying to get, you know, getting the batter out and figuring out where they couldn't hit the, hit the pitch. Nice. So. Nice. The mental game was more the, the, the key to your success. Yeah, yeah, like. probably. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so so we've had several two-sport athletes on the podcast. So Kara Mori, who's also at Brown, uh, yep. Katie LaChapelle, Allison Kumi, uh, Tara Connolly. So um, do you think it's possible for today's athletes to do what you did uh, to play two sports in Division One these days? Because of yeah, the, the, um, schedule? we've had several. Yeah, we've had several players come through our program that have played multiple sports. Um uh, we had one or two play softball. We had uh, a really, really big time kid play both uh, hockey and lacrosse, which is a little more challenging. Well, softball's challenging too. Now it's a little more challenging where you're, um, you really come late to your second sport, right? Like, so uh, we had Kenzie Kent that came through here and, and uh, was up for the top player in, in lacrosse. And uh, she only played like, 10 games a season <laughs> oh, wow. for them. And uh, I mean, she was a, you know, a, a stud on both on the ice and on the field. And, and um, 
and we've had players come through and play softball and and done really well there too but they end up coming later to their sport yep. in the ivies you're a little more segment segmented with seasons and can only start so you know it's i think it's changed a little bit now but you you had a little more uh regimented season so you could only you know you, you didn't miss quite as much gotcha gotcha okay well let's but move it on. is possible okay i will say that, that. that's that's, that's <laughs> you know, I, I know there's some players in cornell who, who played who currently yeah. play or have played yep. so i know but it's a little bit more challenging because of the overlap of seasons so yeah and you right, so, coach both coaches have to be you know they have to be willing to sacrifice certain parts we've had some kids that have inquired about in the past uh you know field hockey and that sort of thing so you just have to be willing to make those sacrifices as a as a coach and, and see that it's, yeah, but it can, it's definitely possible. Especially if the conversations take place up front. And, and the yeah, yeah, right, are, are, are 100%. Right. Great, all right, so let, let's move on from Brown. So you graduated at the perfect time from Brown because the uh, Nagano Olympics were coming up and so it couldn't have been more perfect for you. So right. I, I, I don't wanna spend too much time on the Olympics because uh, we can just go through down, down that path for, for another half hour. Uh, <laughs> I got a couple of quick questions though. Uh, why did you wear number 20? Um, well, I was, uh, at Brown, I, when I went into Brown, I, I wanted to be 18 and, uh, as a hockey player. And when I got there, one of the seniors had 18, so I couldn't wear 18 and they said 20 is available. I said, okay, great. <laughs> and, uh, when I went to the national team, my first world championships, I was a senior and, uh, 20 was available. So they, they, uh, they, that's the number I got and that's the number I stuck with. Awesome. Okay, great. So now, um, once again, I'm, we went into detail about winning gold with uh, Shelly Looney and, and mm -hmm. the game-winning goals uh, there. So uh, let's talk about uh, after winning gold, Did you, or just in general, on that trip, did you have more fun in Japan at the Olympics or your trip to Hawaii on the way back <laughs> with your gold medal? Uh, I mean, it's hard to pick one. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of fun in Hawaii afterwards, but uh, nothing compares to you know, winning that gold medal. Okay, great. So, um, so we've also had Lindsay Fry, Janelle, uh, Sergey on the podcast yeah. as guests, and they discussed the, uh, the tryout process and the incredible stress of making the Olympic team. So you're a little bit different because you were clearly one of the stars in the three Olympics that you were at. So I'm, I'm curious, um, did you face the same stress and anxiety as the other players, or was it a little easier for you because you're such a prolific goal scorer and, and highly productive? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, that first year, nobody knew who was going to make that team. Um, that was, um, extremely stressful for all of us. And, and, you know, knowing when, when coach picked the 25, I believe it was to go on tour, you were just like, you couldn't believe, you know, like that was the, it was so much excitement, but then you knew that you still had months to, to figure out who was going to be in that top 20. Um, and, and no one was guaranteed at that point in that first Olympics and no one's ever really guaranteed. And, um, but you, you know, that one was definitely nerve wracking, but I would say every one of them, you have a little bit of stress of, I don't know, maybe I didn't have a good, you know, tryout or maybe, you know, maybe a little more comfortable in the, the second two, just cause, um, you know, you had been through it before and, and you know what to expect. So you can kind of, um, you know, mentally prepare for it a little bit better, um, but there's nothing like hearing your name called when that team gets picked and, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool feeling. And then to look around and see your friends and, and, you know, you had some that didn't make it and some that did make it. And, and, uh, there were certainly some highs and lows in those moments, but, um, hearing your name get called is, is, uh, one of the 
top moments in your life. Yeah, we've had, we've had guests from both sides of that, uh, yeah, that decision right. <laughs> on, on the podcast. So yeah, so yep. um, so looking back on your hockey career, um, what would you do differently? I don't know that I'd do anything differently. Um, I you know I'm I'm I feel like I'm so fortunate to have um, been in the situation that I was in to have had the people that have supported me through. Uh, my career in the hockey world and and uh, and that goes and through to coach Smith when I played for him for you know in the national team from digit to my softball coach and in, in high school and um, you know just people that I've still stayed in touch with but I don't, I don't know that I would do anything differently I really loved uh, what I did and how I did it and obviously things are different now there wasn't scholarships back then and and so you couldn't go to a school and get a scholarship for for hockey um, so you know that sort of stuff has changed. If if there were scholarships, I don't know, maybe my life would have been a little different just because it wasn't the easiest for, for us to pay um, for school. But I, uh, but, but, you know, we were, we were given a lot of support in terms of, uh, you know, through, through my career at Brown and, um, and through, you know, through the Olympic experience that I just, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. Well, kudos into your parents because they obviously did a great job. If you could grow up playing hockey and and, yeah, right. and and not regretting anything, because that means they really helped shape your 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 view of the world and, and your decision making quite well. Yeah, they they were uh, you know big part of my life. My mom's still around. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, but they you know they were a huge part of our life and still are. Great, great. All right, now let's move on to your coaching career. So I, I understand that you were in Boston, you know, training with the national team, and that's how you started um, at Boston College with your graduate degree. And, and is that somewhat correct? Yeah. Um, the uh, at one point, the the assistant coach in '98 for the '98 Olympic team took over at Boston College and was the head coach, and he needed an assistant coach, and it was a part time position at the time, and uh, so I lived around here I still lived in New Hampshire but was close enough was working out down here um and uh so he asked me to help out and I said sure I'll help out I I always always want to give back to the sport that gave me so much and and uh and long story short here I am (laughs) not (laughs) many years later and that is that why you picked like BC over BU or Northeastern in the Boston area because I know you were working with Mike Boyle a little bit and uh yeah so uh but uh, at the time, BU was a club team, so I, it just happened to kind of fall into place for me. I mean, I've always liked BC, and um, and and you know, for me, I you know, I watched Doug Flutie, you know, and and I've I've always watched BC sports and and uh, growing up, and um, you know, so I, not that I was never one that was like I'm BU over BC or BC over BU at the time growing up, just because yep. there weren't the opportunities for girls when I was growing up for. You know, BC had just became a varsity sport uh, probably my freshman year of college. So they were still so young in terms of women's hockey. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of fell in my fell fell in my lap. I was so thankful to to uh, the coach before me to to take me on with him and and uh, and to, you know, lead me into this process. And, and how are you able to make the transition to head coach so quickly? Because most, most coaches have to pay their dues for a few more years than, than you did. I mean, you, you moved Yeah, I think quickly. I was lucky. Uh, you know, the head coach laughed and, and uh, I, you know, he had, he had, I think, probably helped me out on, on that end as well. But, 
Um, it certainly was like, I look back at it now and I was very young in, in terms of my coaching career and, um, and, you know, I'm thankful for BC and for at the time, Tom Peters and Jean DiFilippo, our, our associate athletic director and our athletic director took a chance on me. And, and, and here I am, you know, 14 years later as head coach. So I, uh, you know, I'm so thankful they took that chance on me and, and as such a young coach and, and gave me the opportunity and gave me, you know, they helped me through a lot of things, especially Tom Peters, like he was right there by my side as an associate AD, helping me through things and, um, and helping us, you know, get better. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you're, you're sitting at 335 wins right now <laughs> at the end of the season, which is uh, unbelievable. You're, you're now more than halfway to Jerry York. Yeah, right, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long way away from Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, is have you ever thought about coaching a men's team? And maybe if Jerry York moves on, have you ever thought about doing, <laughs> moving over to the men's side? Uh, whether with BC or maybe, you know, some other professional organization, because given your experience and your incredible success, um, you know, is that an option that you've ever thought about? I really love where I'm at. No, I mean, I, I you know, I um, have really, you know, never really thought about coaching men on the men's side and, and don't feel that I need to um, at all. I mean, I really love what I'm doing now. And and I think Jerry's going to be here forever because of it. I mean, he is just amazing watching what he does uh, every day. And, uh, and, and I'm very lucky that I get to bounce things off of Jerry too, because who wouldn't want to bounce things off of him as a, such a, such an esteemed coach and someone that um, I would consider a mentor and a friend. And he's been great for us and, and uh, with our program and with our coaching staff as well. And his, and his staff both, we get along really, really well. And uh, I'm so thankful that I have them to, kind of bounce things off of and and talk through hockey things with them and and have them as friends. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so let's get into Boston College. So d describe life on campus, uh, Chestnut Hill, um, and some of your facilities, uh, the Kelly Rink at Conti Forum, which I have in my yeah. background <laughs> that uh, if you're watching this on video, you can see. So t talk about the life on campus. Yeah, um, so I think we have the best of both worlds. We're not far from the city of Boston, but yet you, when you're on campus, you really feel like you're, uh, you're on campus. You have a, like a home, if you will. Um, our campus is pretty much spread out into, uh, spread into three different parts, but they're all connected. Um, the lower campus is where a lot of our athletic facilities are in our, um, in our upperclassmen, most of our upperclassmen live. Um, and then as you get into middle campus, that's where you have uh, your dining halls, your classrooms, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then on upper campuses usually is mostly uh, freshman housing. So everything's so close. You can get from one end of campus to the other in a, you know, seven or eight minute walk. Uh, not long at all. Not, not too spread out. But, you know, I, I like, I know our players and, and um, our current, you know, they, they take advantage of going into the city occasionally or going to uh, the waterfront and seeing the water and, and whatnot. So we're not far from the city, but yet you have a kind of really home homey feel when you're on campus. That's awesome and awesome. And uh, talk about your staff. You have uh, two women on your staff, Courtney Kennedy, who's been with you, I think, since just about day one, uh, and Andy Anastos. Uh, and yep. specifically, tell me something about Courtney Kennedy that most people don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, I've known Court. We've known each other uh, I think I was, you know, 14 maybe, and she was, you know, a little younger. 
but we played for the same uh, girls program growing up and, and, and then played on two Olympic teams together. So, uh, I mean, we pretty much know each other inside and out. Um, and she's not sick of me yet. So she hasn't left and hopefully she won't. Uh, but no, she, she's been great. Uh, she's obviously a huge part of our program and a huge part of the growth of our program. Um, and, and we do a lot of this stuff together. You know, she's associate head coach and, and, uh, a lot of the stuff that, that we do and, and my staff, you know, Andy as well, but we, you know, for a long time, it was just me in court and, uh, we did everything together at that point. And, and now it's, uh, you know, now, uh, this year or the last couple of years with having Andy, um, has been great and given us great insight in terms of, um, someone who just recently, fairly recently graduated and has, you know, we're getting a little bit older, uh, but Andy isn't, you know, Andy's closer to those, the players age group and, and uh, has a little more insight on, you know, maybe how things, how she thinks the kids might feel or the players might feel at certain times. And uh, she's been great with um, helping out our players and their growth and their development. And uh, she's really been awesome for an awesome addition for us. All right. That's great. Uh, so, so I didn't give you anything that nothing. people don't know about court. She's, I mean, she's, <laughs> pretty much you know she's pretty funny and uh but but most people do know that about her <laughs> <laughs> all right all right okay so i'm gonna i i hope to see her in a few weeks at, at a um at a showcase so i'm, I'm gonna ask her the same thing about you so, uh, <laughs> all right um all right so uh talk about playing in the bean pot um and and how exciting that is for your team to play in uh, almost every year yeah the bean pot is awesome um it's in funny story about the bean pot and i have told some of my teams this uh, as we have gone through the bean pot, but my my senior year in high school, uh, because BU was still a club team, Brown actually played in the bean pot and they won it. Oh wow! So when I came in my freshman year, we were trying to petition to be in the bean pot again because we're like, we have to be. We're defending champs. Now being on the other side of it, I'm like, that was so crazy. You know, now, I mean, obviously now BU is much better. You know, they're, they're not a club team anymore. They've, they've grown and done tremendous. And, and now we have four great teams in the bean pot and it's an unbelievable tournament. But I always, that story really hits me as funny because my alma mater was, yeah, is on that trophy yeah. as a winner. Um, but uh, it's one of the best. I mean, I, I love the, the bean pot tournament, obviously especially in the last couple of years, you have four teams that are vying for national tournament bids. Um, and we're all in the same city right around each other uh, within, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of each other. And, and you're in an all out battle for who's the best in Boston. And, and uh, it really means something to, to, um, to the players, to the teams, to the coaches, to, to, to everyone. And, and, um, and I love it because it's a tournament feel right before you kind of get into the tournament and, and into like your, you know, your, your league tournament or and then the NCAA tournament. So you get a little bit of uh, that experience before you get to that experience. But uh, the bean pot is, is a big deal. Um, it's grown so much, uh, you know, since, since we started here and, and uh, but it's also um, it's, it's one of the best tournaments around. Yeah, you can see you light up when I, when I mentioned the word yeah. bean pot. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, so uh, I'd like to talk about one of your players. So uh, for folks who listen to the podcast know that I'm based in California and I track girls hockey out here pretty closely. And um, your captain, uh, Kayla Barnes, is from originally from California. She moved out east a little bit before going to Boston College. Um, let me start with the first question. Is what makes Kayla Barnes so special? Oh, um, 
She's just so dynamic. Uh, I mean, you know, she can pretty much do it all. You need, you know, if she knows when it's time to lock it down and play defense, she can jump up in the play. Um, she's just, you know, she's just so dynamic. It's hard to pick kind of one thing, but she, she can really do it all. And she, and she knows how to be a good teammate through all that, right? Like you can certainly have players that are great and come in and, and, you know, don't get along with their teammates or don't, you know, that sort of thing. But this isn't, she's not like that. She's a tremendous teammate, tremendous leader. Um, and watching her through her, you know, three years now, um, she's just, uh, she keeps getting better. Um, she keeps growing. She keeps, uh, but she's just, she's an awesome person uh, and an awesome hockey player. And, and uh, she's really, uh, really fun to be around. Okay, so you, you just said she keeps growing. So she, she's five foot two. Has yeah, she grown growing since she's been way. there? <laughs> <laughs> she wishes maybe, but <laughs> growing within the sport. <laughs> All right, great. Because it's pretty impressive at five foot two for her to yeah. be as accomplished as she is. I mean, she played yep. on the under 18 team for three years and then went straight to the Olympics. And she right. went to the Olympics before coming to Boston College. So my question to you is, how did you convince her to come to Boston College given her, you know, I'm sure she was recruited by literally every single Division One team. If, if they had the chance to talk to her yeah well so technically she was at bc she was she came here her freshman year and yeah. uh team usa pulled her out ah I uh, six weeks in so she got centralized uh, while she, she got pulled to centralization and okay. then ended up making that team um so what a weird i mean i almost felt bad for her first of all she got pulled out of our team and then brought into that that team and 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 just like the dynamics of that are so hard on both sides, right? She's leaving her classmates and going into a team that doesn't really know her. And here she is stepping in to, you know, probably take someone's position. So a lot of different dynamics going on there. And I know, uh, but she handled it so well and did such a great job with, with that. Um, but we, you know, we, we, uh, I, I give a lot of the credit for that one on uh, court, and that's most of our recruiting is, is, or if not all of our recruiting is Courtney, and she does such a tremendous job, um, and especially with the defense, but but with all of our players and recruiting them and um, help, helping them understand what they're going to get at Boston College and when they when they come here, um, gotcha. the development and how we're going to help them through their four years and and leave here with a with a degree. And they're going to be successful after they leave here. And and uh, Court does such a great job um, with that. And I I give her all the credit in the world for for finding a way to get Kayla here. So she did a great job. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I am going to get back to Kayla in a second. Um, okay. But uh, let me ask you, just in general, for kind of recruiting for Boston College. Um, who is the right fit for Boston College? Um, and who's the right kind of player that, that is really going to succeed there? Because not everybody always succeeds at, at you know, the first choice of, of a college. Yeah. Um, good question. Um, I think, you know, first of all, you have to see the school, right? You have to know that you, you, you have to feel like you're going to fit in here. And, and that, that isn't for everybody, right? Um, we're a Jesuit institution. Um, not that it's super religious where you can't, but you have, there, there's definitely that religious feel. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those schools where I find that we have a lot of players that want to be here. As soon as they come on campus, they say, I see myself here. You know, I, I see my, you know, and it, and it's, I think relatively instantaneous where they come on campus, they, they, you know, you walk them around campus and they, 
they get the feel. And I think that doesn't happen for everyone. And you can kind of sense it as you're going, you know, as you're talking to players and, 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 um, and their families. And, but I think they have to want to be here. You have to not, um, you know, not want, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. It's just a, um, you have to be hardworking. You have to be someone that's ready to put your ego aside. You have to be someone that, um, you know, wants to fight for something and it's bigger than themselves. It's bigger than just you. It's, it's, you have to fit into, you know, the culture that we've created here and kind of, you have to be willing to do things that maybe you don't necessarily want to do, or you don't necessarily in terms of, you know, community service and, and doing things to help others out. Um, that's a big part of, of who we are and what we do. And, and so, um, you know, I think certain people fit that mold and certain people don't. Um, but I tend to find that like, once people step on campus, they really know if they'll fit in or not. And they just kind of get that feel. And that's what we've had, I'd say quite a bit. Okay. All right. Hard um, to explain, kind of random, but. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is, that's great. Actually, uh, understanding that it's a Jesuit school, because I didn't realize that until yeah. uh, you mentioned that and realizing that that probably does have, uh, you know, frame some of the uh, culture of the school mm -hmm. and, and probably even the team uh, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, how things are, or what, what things are like on campus is, is actually yeah. very helpful. Um, all right, I got a, one last quest, coaching question for you is, what do you like on the bench during a game? Are you like uh, <laughs> vibrant and uh, letting everybody know uh, what you're thinking? Or are you nice and calm and demure and, you know, the work was done during the week? Trying to be a little more calm, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> you'd probably have to ask everybody else that question, but no, I, I probably am... Uh, I'd say I'm a little vibrant, but I'm working on it. I think I've gotten less vibrant in my... Uh, older age as I keep going through. Um, but we, you know, I, I've definitely evolved in my years and, and, um, you know, when I was a younger coach, I would probably yell a little bit too much. Uh, but I, I've tried to, uh, I've tried to stop doing that. And, and, uh, you know, there comes a point where the players need to just, you know, need to play and I need to just sit back and, and let them play. And, and that's what, uh, I've tried to do, especially in the last couple of years, let them play and, and not, uh, you know, as a coach, you don't have as much control as when you were a player, right? So it, it takes a little bit to, to figure that out and learn that as a coach. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I don't know, I, I'd say maybe now I'm a little bit of, a little bit of both. There's times where I'm, I'm quiet and, uh, and then there's certainly times where I'm a little riled up. <laughs> I, I love the fact that after 14 years, you're still trying to work on things yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's great. Um, how do I evolve? Uh, so related to that is uh, for your players, how, how do you balance uh, development versus results? You know, yeah. um, you know, both during the game and then, you know, during the week on the ice, off the ice during practice. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we want, we're, you know, ultimately we want to try to win a national championship here. We haven't been able to do that yet. And, um, that's something that's been a goal of ours for a long time. And, and we've been so close uh, many times and, and haven't been able to pull that off. So every year we talk about what we can do to, to do things a little bit differently. Obviously this year, COVID year, um, we did a lot of different things than we have in the past, more skills type stuff when we weren't playing games, more, you know, of that, uh, you know, working on specific individual development side. But, um, you know, we want, you know, when, when players come in um, and we know what their goals are and, and, 
you know, some of them, it may be an Olympic team and some of them, it may not be an Olympic team, you know? Um, and we try to work with each individual and, and help them, um, get to where they want to be. You know, if that's an Olympic team, great. We'll try to help you get there. We've, uh, been there. Andy was a little bit involved as a younger player. And, and so we know kind of that route, we know what it takes. We know where, um, you know, how that, how, you know, from little things to big things, how the, how that is and how it feels and all of that stuff to get to that level. Um, but also we have players come in here that want to, you know, go to nursing school and be a nurse or go be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a businesswoman or whatever. And, and, uh, so we help them with those goals too. And, uh, we have such a great alumni network that I, we try to tap into and, um, use to our advantage who, uh, you know, and, and help our players get, um, whether it's jobs or internships or that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, so we're trying to give them the development on both sides, whether it's, uh, you know, on the ice and in that, in that, you know, getting to that national team or, um, in their, in their job and what they want to do after college. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you, you kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, one thing missing on, on the mantelpiece is a national championship. Um, you know, you have three players who are, who are, um, you know, trying to make the Olympic team and, and two seniors who probably can come back thanks to COVID. Uh, you know, I know, uh, Willow Corson who, uh, uh, growing up in Montreal, I knew her dad quite well for, uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, Shane Corson. Um, so you got a couple of seniors who probably come back. I mean, if you had your full team, you know, what's, what's the missing piece to get to, to that national championship and, and, and win the trophy for you guys? For next year? Yeah, but well, in the next few years. Like, what, what's, oh, what's, yeah. what, no, what, what are you, how are you thinking about, uh, you know, getting that last piece of the uh, puzzle? I think, uh, well, what you realize after, uh, you know, doing this for as long as I have been doing it is it's never easy. <laughs> <laughs> and even in the years that you think that you have that chance, sometimes it's not the year that you're like, we have all the best players and this is what we're going to do, you know? And I think you need the right pieces of the puzzle. And that's, uh, you never really quite know what that is until you actually do it. And, and, you know, we've, we've been very close, very, very close. And sometimes it takes being very close to realize what that, what that means and what that, uh, what it feels like. And, um, you know, so, I don't know. Like, I really like our players come, you know, who we have for next year and, and uh, for the, you know, 21, 22 season. And um, I think we've put ourselves in a good spot and, and continue to keep getting better and improving and, and trying to make that final turn to, to winning a national title. So um, I don't think I could point to one thing. Um, we're just going to keep working at it and keep finding new things to, to uh, help us move forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I got a, I got a, one last Kayla Barnes question. So if she does go to the Olympics, she still has one more, at least one more year of eligibility. Is that correct? To come back even after the Olympics? Well, so she would take this, she would take this current year off. So she right. still has two more years, two more years because of COVID year. That's amazing. COVID year. And yeah, so, uh, she, so, so she's about five years of eligibility yeah, altogether. So, yeah. So she right. has another year after that. So if she decides yeah. to stick around. That's, that's uh, pretty good for you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> okay, so related question though. So uh, you have Barnes, you also have Brown and Bilka who are also invited to the uh, Olympic team camp. Um, so if they happen to get um, centralized and, and on the verge of making the team, uh, how does that affect your team for this coming season? Are you going to add potentially more players maybe through the transfer portal for this coming season or do you already have enough players and you'll, you'll go with what you, what, you know, the players that you already have? Yeah, we wouldn't add anybody. First of all, I think it would be too late. Um, but uh, we won't add anybody. We really like our team uh, with and without, obviously, 
if you lose someone to the Olympics, you can't complain about that. That's for sure. Um, but we really like the group we have and, and uh, I would be thrilled for them if they do make that team. Um, they've all put in such a great effort and, and uh, they're all really, really good hockey players. So I would be so happy for them and, and uh, we would get them back for, you know, we still get them back for future years. So, um, you know, it's a little, it's just, it just, you move things around and you make it work and, and uh, you know, players get opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have gotten had those players been here. So um, it's always a little, a little different, maybe a little tweak here and there, but we won't add any more players. We have, we have quite a few on our roster uh, for next year and, and uh, we won't add, we're happy with, with who we have. Great, great. Okay, now let's we'll go a little bit deeper into the recruiting process. Um, uh, so how, how have players changed in the last 10 years? Obviously, you've seen a lot over the last 25 years, uh, but just in the last 10 years, how, how have uh, female hockey players changed? Um, I think the sport, I mean, obviously the sport of women's hockey has grown tremendously. There's so many more teams. Um, I find that there's a lot more players who have worked on specific skills, have done a lot of skill work um, outside of the, you know, outside of just your normal practice with, with your team. You know, they have a personal coach for, they have a coach for shooting, a coach for skating. And sometimes it's the same person, but, you know, working on those specific skills. And I think that's different than it ever was. I don't think it used to be like that um, back in, you know, back 10 years ago. I think um, the spot, sport has evolved in terms of, um, I think there are more good players who are, you know what I mean? Like you just have more players in general, but you have more good players playing, playing the sport of, uh, of women's hockey. And um, it's made our sport as a whole grow and, and get better. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, let's talk about your specific recruiting. So uh, while not all your players are from the New England area, a significant portion of them came from the New England area. Is, is that a primary spot of just uh, there's just so many good players right around you that, that you just see them a lot and that helps uh, kind of bias you to, 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 to recruiting locally? Um, I, I think it would. I mean, right now we're we've always been fairly heavy in the Northeast. Um, but I guess uh, we're fortunate that we just have a lot of prep schools around here. A lot of, you know, even if they're not necessarily from around here, you find them at a prep school or something like that. So yeah. um, I, I uh, but there's no limit as to uh, where we find our players. We're just looking for the right fit and the, the ones that fit into what we need for that given year. And, um, and, and no matter where they come from, that's where we'll, we'll try to find them. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So uh, what advice do you have for uh, players and parents as the uh, blackout period ends uh, by the time this, this is, uh, goes live to, to folks? Uh, it'll be after June 1st. So, uh, you know, as the re recruiting season kicks off, finally, um, you know, what advice do you have for them as, as they kind of go through the different showcases and tournaments and maybe even camps that uh, you might be having on, on campus? Yeah, I would say um, just make sure you're letting college coaches know where you're going to be and, and wh what, uh, you know, what camps you're going to be at and, and uh, you know, hopefully they can make it out. It's, it's uh, I've, you know, it's, it's hard for, for those juniors and seniors that have been stuck in that, the COVID, you know, and the younger, it's been hard for everybody, obviously, but um, those juniors and seniors, it's been really hard. So you want to get your name out there and, and uh, make sure that you're emailing coaches and trying to let everybody know where you'll be at and, and uh, you know, so you can find the right fit uh, for you as well. And, and like, that kind of goes back to, you know, who's the right fit at BC. They, like I said, they have to feel comfortable where they're going to, and, and you want to make sure that you're branching out and looking at everything that you can look at and, 
and finding what is right for you. And I think uh, that's on the, the, the player to, to do their research, but also to go um, look, at, look at a lot of schools, look at a lot of places and see what's the right fit for you. Gotcha. And are you heading out uh, the first week in June to uh, start uh, scouting and recruiting players? We'll be we'll be going out. Yeah, as soon as yeah, we'll be we'll be on the road here soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and are there any uh, specific camps or something that you'll be doing on campus at BC for for folks this summer? I know some no, folks uh, are and some folks aren't. We uh, we can't have camps on campus at, uh, because of COVID, so we yeah. won't be having any camps here. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so how, how can folks, uh, you know, uh, learn more about the program and, and express an interest of uh, saying, here's where I'm going to be this summer? How can they reach out to you guys? Yeah, uh, well, via email is probably the best way to do it. Um, I know that that, <laughs> I feel like kids these days don't really check their emails quite as much as they used to, but um, email is probably the best way. And then, um, and like, obviously, you can learn more about our, us on our website and, and that sort of thing. But um, I would say email is probably the best way to get in touch with us. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, Katie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Champs App podcast. This is great. It's some unbelievable information, just learning about your background and uh, also uh, about Boston College and, and everything that you go through for, to kind of put the team together and how you think about the team. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I really want to thank Katie for joining me today. It was great to hear about her amazing hockey journey as a player, incredible success at Boston College, as well as her advice for players and parents as the blackout period ends. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.